Welcome to the Be Your Own Hero podcast, where we discover your inner hero and being brave in the face of fear on the path to becoming your best self. I'm on a mission to inspire others to be brave and be the heroes in their own stories. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Be Your Own Hero podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Renew, author and entrepreneur. And today I'm excited to have fellow creatives, authors, artists with me here today. So I'm going to be introducing this amazing team, author and artist team for a brand new graphic novel that was just released last month in November through Dark Horse Books. So author Tim Blest is with me here today, and he is the mind behind the fantasy novel Planet Planeta Blue, Rise of a Goo, and he teamed up with fellow friend and artist Michael Lariccia to turn this awesome novel into this really cool graphic novel. So, Tim, Mike, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you for having us. Well, and to start, I, I got to hold it up. So this is Rise mm -hmm. of a Goo. I, just absolutely stunning. If everyone can see it here. Absolutely mm -hmm. stunning. I mean, and as you just flip through, you can just see like, wow, just the art is so beautiful. So congrats, you guys. This is great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Special shout out to Mike, the amazing illustrator and artist for you guys uh, are too much. It'll <laughs> <laughs> make me cry before we even do this. Oh, <laughs> well, art is such a vulnerable thing, right? You're bringing your, you know, your passion, your creativity to the world. So, um, but yeah, so I love, you know, I love the overall theme with the book and there's a little bit about this on the, on the back cover, just with, you know, being a story about courage and compassion and the sacrifice to make the world a better place for for all human you know all living creatures on on the earth so you know tim this is your you know this came from your mind originally i'd love for you to share kind of the backstory behind you know what inspired you to write it and i think a little birdie told me that it had something to do with some bedtime stories that you're reading to your kids so yeah no, totally, totally. Yeah, thank you so much for the question. Yeah, that's that's where it originated. You know, I have children and they wanted to not only have me read to them, but also uh, come up with these stories off the top of my mind. So I used to freestyle these stories all the time about talking animals. And, you know, as, as they got older, um, some of the stories got a little bit more intense just because they were starting to be, you know, preteens or whatever the case is, or they knew about what was happening in the world around sustainability. And so I started telling, you know, this story that didn't just live in the nighttime. I started thinking about it during the day. Um, I started kind of picking their their minds because I saw that they were really excited about that. Um, as an artist yourself, you know that, you know, sometimes you tell a story and people are like, oh, that's okay. you know. And then sometimes you tell a story where people are like, oh, wow. And they have questions and they want to know more about it. And they're, you know, they keep, um, asking about it. And so my children were very much um, intrigued by this this idea of Planeta Blue, which obviously I didn't have a name for it. It was just about these kids who, you know, went underwater and, you know, they got put on trial for all the atrocities that humanity had done uh, 
towards animal kind and towards each other. And so I started picking their brains too about like, hey, I, I want there to be a council. I want, um, you know, who do you all think should be on this council? And I also started, you know, jotting down or, or drawing because I'm an artist, not as not as good as Michael, but enough where I was like, I could, you know, I could draw these these dolphins that I know I want them to have these tribal marks yeah, okay. on them. Yep. You know, I, I want them to have, um, you know, different things about them. And this is something interesting that I, I've been meaning to say on other interviews that I don't get to, to you know, I'm, I'm going to say today uh, that another thing that happened to me when I was really small was I went, um, I remember uh, kicking the ball and this, I was probably like seven years old, I kicked the ball in the neighbor's yard. I went over there to get the ball. And as I came around the corner, there was a group of cats in a circle <laughs> having a meeting. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, these, cat, these cats are like in a council. They're having a meeting. And it was the wildest thing. I remember to this day, like it happened yesterday. They all kind of got up, looked at me, and they all went their own ways. They all scattered <laughs> their own and, and as a kid, I was like, oh, this must be what animals do <laughs> they meet on their own and I thought and obviously well not obviously but I've never seen that ever happen again but that's that stayed with me and so this idea of an animal council that would potentially be judging humans um, has always stayed with me and I was glad that I was able to incorporate it in some form in, in this book now um, all of that to say that because I'm also a storyteller in music. So I'm a, I'm a hip hop artist. I do conscious hip hop music. So I, that's been my medium for the longest time. Um, I also wanted to tell the story about what's important. As a poet, it's my responsibility to talk about sustainability, about what's happening to the planet, pollution, climate change, everything that's happening to the, pro, uh, to the planet and what we can do about it. Most important is like we can do something about mm -hmm. it. So why, why not? put it in a book as fantastic and magical as it is to also <laughs> ground it in some reality. So a cat council, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I've never heard that before. So, <laughs> Well, listen, listen how amazing that is because I don't know if, if you follow the Sandman. Um, yeah, we, we've talked, Mike and I have talked about this because the Sandman series, and I don't know if, you know, if Neil Gaiman, also wrote it in, in a comic book form, but they did something very similar. And I was just like, to me, that just blows my mind. That speaks to a collective consciousness that we all have because it was a very similar story um, about cats. But anyway, that was a side note. <laughs> well, I love that. Well, but I love that you said that you got your kids involved in like helping you like think through the story, you know, with, with a council and all of that. I mean, that's super cool. Tim, I would love to hear, so from my understanding, this is a novel that you created, and then did you did you actually have it released? Was it self-published, or was it something that was just kind of private, and then you got to this point where you, you know, turned it into the graphic novel? Yeah, so I, so I wrote it all out. Um, I do have some, some people who I knew who put me in touch with a publisher that was wanting to put it out as a long form, um, which did intrigue me. And I was like, wow, this, this is amazing how fast this is moving. Um, why not put it out? But the idea was always that I wanted it to be a graphic novel. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, so I turned down that, that offer and was just like, I got to find an artist. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely a serendipitous, um, situation. Um, I have a, a really good friend that knew I had written this, this novel. Um, she knew I was looking for a artist. Um, I had been looking for different artists and just not able to find it. So she said, Hey, my neighbor is an amazing artist. And so she didn't share anything <laughs> when she said that she was just like, he's an amazing artist. And I was like, okay, I know everybody trust you know, your judgment on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, can you send me something? And so she sent me Mike's website. And so once I clicked it, I was instantly blown away by his artwork by his, uh, you know, all the colors, the character development. And I really was like, wow, this this could be the guy. You know, I, I hope he's, you know, open to it. I hope that he's also willing to take on such a big project. And so we set up a time to meet. And so I went over to Mike's house. Luckily, we live in the same town. <laughs> we actually uh, currently yeah, live in another town. <laughs> yeah, we live <laughs> in the same town now, even though we both moved. <laughs> I'm fo- I'm following Mike, right? <laughs> so, Mike, you are my leader. <laughs> no, so, yeah. So so yeah. So so we went over, and you know we instantly clicked. You know Mike has a lot of the similar values, principles. He's a family guy. Um, we both went to the same university, UMass Amherst. Like the same music, and and then what was amazing about that meeting is that he agreed to do cover for me, you know, a draft cover, a uh, the first five pages, and also some concept art, which for, for me was great. And the price made sense. I was like, yes, let's let's do this. And, you know, the agreement was like, let's let's do this. And then let's see if it makes mm-hmm. sense to, to go beyond that. And after, you know, Mike delivered um, and, and, you know, once again, I was blown away. I was really happy to see, you know, these words just really come to life. Um, I was like, man, I hope this guy, you know, would be able to to do this big project because at the time it was in written form. It was over 100 pages. I knew mm-hmm. it was a big project. Um, I knew it was going to be a commitment. I was like, I hope he can he could take on this commitment. And he agreed, which was great. And the last thing I'll, I'll say is that we then agreed to do a, a Kickstarter uh, project. So we we put out an earlier version um, mm-hmm. independently. Um, that met the Kickstarter uh, goal, which was, you know, wonderfully received. And then, you know, after, and, you know, I'll, I'll let Mike tell this, the story of how we got connected with Dark Horse, which was a, a dream come true. Yeah. Well, before we, before we jump in, into that, I, I would love to hear a little bit about like, how do you, like, as you're talking about this, my mind is going, how in the world do you take a written novel and turn it into like this stuff with words and, you know, the comic book style, I just, right. that's mind blowing. So like, what is that? What are the steps for that? Like, what's the process for that? Well, um, doing the concept work in the initial pages was essential to get like my head in that world that he created mm-hmm. so once the style had been determined and that we felt comfortable with the direction visually you know i i kind of tore into the 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 material that he sent me and 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 honestly i've never translated this much information into a, a book so this was a, a new concept for me but it's exciting because 
for me, when I'm reading it, when I read any book, I'm visualizing what I'm, you know, what you're reading. Everybody kind of does mm -hmm. that, right? But when you're going to draw it, <laughs> you pay super attention to the details in what you're reading too, because you, you realize, well, this will be fun to draw this or this, you know, these are kind of enjoyable things that I can do. So the, you're so, I was so immersed in that story and, 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 you know, fortunately the story is exciting. There's a lot of really interesting things going on. There's scenes that happen in the book that I had never seen before and other things and other types of media. So I, I felt like there was some real original content here that I was going to be able to, to sort of leave my mark on. Um, and so, you know, I would just read it and I did one full reading of it. And then I went back in and as I was reading it, I was doing very rough sketches of what I thought the scene should be. And similar to, you know, a uh, cameraman would be in a movie, you know, comics mm -hmm. is sort of like that your camera angle, you know, you know, you relying on my, uh, you know, like 30 years of reading comics and consuming <laughs> movies and all that stuff and knowing sort of what's worked and what, what I enjoy. I started to translate what, what, you know, he had written. And, and the thing about comics is that, um, you have this ability to sort of control time when someone's reading. So if there's a scene that is really big or needs to be slowed down, you can make it a full page or make the reader have to stop and, and pay attention to it, especially with things like a lot of detail. So in this book, you'll see there's a lot of really detailed spreads where it's like the council of all animals. So those are times when we want the reader to like stop, take it in. <laughs> and, you know, it's similar to movies where, you control the time a little differently. Whereas when you're reading prose, you know, it's, it, it can really rely on the, the reader's sort of speed at which they read and things like that. So I feel like that's one of the benefits of that's comics interesting. Yeah. the benefits of text and, and visuals, you know, and, and, um, so, so yeah, when I went into that, um, it took me about a full week just to plot it out. And I did that all digitally and, you know, I, I said that to Tim and we, if anybody else would just see these drawings, they look very rough. They're very like, <laughs> for me, they're very clear in what they portray because it's all about composition and hitting sort of certain, certain beats and making sure that, the, um, you know, like the flow is good and things like that. So Tim, because he was so familiar with the story, I think he could follow along kind of, but I do feel, felt like inside, like, there was sort of a part of him that was sort of just trusting that I was doing the right thing <laughs> because it was, it's kind of overwhelming because it was a hundred pages. But when I translated to, to a comic, it was like 200 because, you know, a lot of this stuff had to be sort of fleshed out. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, when you're, you're choosing how to put um, panels on a page, you're spreading things out. Some things need more attention and it just doesn't, it's not going to be, you know, page for page. So yeah. I'm like, Tim, this is like a really big thing, just so you know. <laughs> but, you know, so we played around with, does this thing want to be two books? Does it want to be mm. this and that? And I think at the end of the day, we were like, we want to get everything we have to one campaign. <laughs> and let's just go all in on this and and just go for it. And that's what we ended up doing. And um, that process worked for me. So I, I would use the same thing for book two. <laughs> Yeah. There, so nice. Yeah. Well, it's so it, it's so cool. I mean, it's just like I said, it's kind of like mind blowing to think about all the intricate steps to take to to get to 
a finished product. I mean, which, you know, that's the case with publishing any book because there's so many steps, but when you have so much art and graphics behind it, like it's a whole nother aspect to it. Yeah. Well, I, w- I will say too, Brittany, that we, um, in the, the, the most recent version of the book, there's like bonus materials. And so you can kind of see like, that's what okay. the rough stuff look like. Mm-hmm. Very so interesting. Really, yeah. really, really rough. And there's like 200 pages of that, which is, you know, what, what became the beginnings of the book. Um, so there's like bonus stuff in the book. So you can see that kind of that's stuff cool. too. Two, cool. 272 pages can end up being the final count. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, okay, cool. So that's kind of setting us up. How did you then get connected to Dark Horse? So um, over the last like 15, 20 years, I guess at this point, I've been sort of self-publishing my own stuff and going to independent comic events like uh, Small Press Expo, uh, Mocha Festival in New York. And uh, my first book that I published was something called Black Mane, which was a book that won the Zarek Award in 2005. And it was that book that I sort of like introduced, I got introduced to the sort of comic community and such. Mm-hmm. And so I did a um, an event out in um, Oregon where um, Dark Horse is located. And one of the editors there went to, I think I had an exhibition I did of, of comic pages. And um, he bought the book and I, I signed it. And I always remember this to this day that I wrote the like the dumbest message in that book. I like I still lose sleep over this. Like it was just so like it was made no sense. It was because there was like this monster in the book. I was like, I hope you're not afraid of me because that monster, you know. And it was like, like what am I doing? Like, That's hilarious. Felt, but that editor and I stayed in touch for 15 years. Like I kept sending him stuff. Yeah, he was very supportive of my work. We never like a lot of the work that I did. It was very like niche, and it, it didn't really fit with Dark Horse at the time, but he was always very supportive. Um, you know, he, he sent me a, a ton of uh, Plants vs. Zombie books because my son was a huge fan of that franchise. <laughs> but, you know, when Tim and I were together, I was like, you know, I have this um, connection over Dark Horse I've been in touch with, who who's a supporter of my work, and I've never had like a finished product mm-hmm. send him. But this book, it actually has a wider audience. So I sent him that that book, and it was he was immediately interested in it. You know, this was a successfully crowdfunded project. Um, uh, you know, sent him a copy of the book, and and from there, it the support was really really um, obvious. And it's, I mean, long story short, it's been a great experience. So um, yeah, I I think you know what, one of the things the feedback um, that that editor sent back to us um, was. How amazing um, the the animals that Mike drew! Like Mike just drew, you know, so many great images, but the animals, you know, really pop out and stick out. And so he, and you know, and I always think about that email, you know, the feedback that Mike received that he shared with me, and he was like, "Wow, the line, you know, drawings on animals, you know, really amazing." And um, you know, so I think you know it, it's undeniable <laughs> the quality and the time and effort that Mike, you know, put into it. Um, that we think, I, I know, you know, when I see when we're out in conventions and we're showing it to people, how people like, they're just wild, especially if you're an animal lover, right? If you're mm-hmm. someone who loves animals, um, you're just going to be instantly kind of blown away. We had, we had one woman was like, sharks, there's sharks in here. Oh, I love sharks. We're like, okay, by the way, you know, <laughs> so, so, you know 
there's not just sharks. There's dolphins and there's, you know, yeah. you know, hyenas and wolves and tigers. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's. That's so cool. That was crazy, though. Just a sidebar. Like, there were scenes in the book where Tim would be like, just all of the animals are there. <laughs> you know? So I'm like having to just like, all right, I just got to come up with find every other animal I can find. Yeah. That can, you know, and it's just like this random, just like all the animals are there. You know? so, yep. Well, even the cover, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of animals on the cover, you know, even though they're a little bit silhouetted, you know, with the, the kids in the middle. But I yeah. will tell you, uh, Brittany, no one else has, knows about this. Um, there is a uh, axolotl on there that my daughter asked me to put on there is a tiny axolotl uh, next to I think it's next to the hippo's face. Oh, oh yeah. There's a, there's a hamster in there. There's like a snake that my son wanted to be there. Oh, that's so sweet. Get some little little animals. We paid attention to the little guys. Oh, <laughs> I love guys. that. I love that. Well, so let's let's get into kind of the, the overall overarching theme in the book with environmental justice and. You know, I would just love for Tim for you to share like why that's important to you and why you felt like like why you chose the medium that you did to portray that theme and kind of share that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in uh, 2007, I went to this conference called Connecting for Change in, in my hometown of New Bedford, Mass. And and I was really blown away. I'd been an activist for, for years at that point and an artist. Um, but I wasn't aware of this emerging uh, movement uh, called sustainability. And, you know, I really loved how it, it connected not only the environmental, you know, we talked about the three E's, but, you know, the e economic and equity. You know, equity was, was the realm that I, I kind of was, was working in. But the environment and economics kind of coming together really uh, stood out because it also expanded, like, this reality that there's a lot of people working on this on this problem on this challenge that is affecting all of us and so that's when i got hip to different things i got hip to the fact that bees were no longer going back to their hives and you know I, i'm from new bedford and so whaling is a big thing in new bedford and mm -hmm. so you know i started thinking about like wow we have all these images of the whaler and it's like wow this is how we were getting oil back in the 1800s was actually taking these animals and you know, melting down, hunting them and melting down their blubber. And and these were this is just history that we like learned as kids in school and we were proud about it. We should be. However, like anything else, there's always these layers, right? And there's always these things that um we need to take into account, especially when you deal with the environment. And so I really started just, you know, evolving my craft as a musician. Um, like I said, as as a poet. Um, I take that very serious. A poet is supposed to always uh, speak about what's what's happening, what's relevant, um, even at their own, you know, at their own detriment, you know, because sometimes you're speaking truth to power and, you know, power, power doesn't want to hear the truth sometimes. So, mm -hmm. so, <laughs> excuse me. So I, I really had, had made a shift as an artist, you know, um, still do a lot of social justice stuff, but the environment became very important to me not only because i enjoyed it being on the coast i love going to the beach being from the cave Verde islands uh, my family's cave verdian you know uh, volcanic islands we're always connected to the land and the ocean and the sea so all these things were just a part of me but i hadn't really explored them 
And um, when, like most people around 2007 and or even earlier, we started becoming aware that like, hey, man-made pollution and climate change, all these things are, are real and we can impact them. Um, you know, I, I'm, I took it upon myself to really make a lot of my art be about that. Um, you know, even though, you know, I'd run into because I work with youth too, and they'd be like, why is your raps always about the environment? You know, it's like, <laughs> why do you rap about, you know, it's like, because that other stuff isn't me. You know, I, I grew up in the era in hip hop where you had to keep it real. You know, I grew up where, yeah. you know, De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest, you know, these people that were like native tongue, it wasn't what's mainstream even today. Like it wasn't, we were never about glorifying materialism or putting down other people or calling, you know, names. It wasn't like what I was, I was brought up. And so for me, my art had to reflect that. I had to keep it real. And so when I started writing this, writing this story, I knew it was a, it was going to be a comic book. I wanted it always to be a movie. I, I wrote it with the, with the sense of, or, or the lens of it be, becoming a movie one day mm -hmm. because I, I love movies. I love, I love comic books and I love movies. And I know there's a natural marriage um, to them. A lot of, as, as we know, a lot of the, the movies that are coming out nowadays are all based off of graphic novels or, or yeah. movies. I mean, our books, and we know like the best movies, even though they're never better than the book, they are, <laughs> you know, the best movies are based off of books, right? And yeah. so, because people are taking that time to actually write something that's meaningful. So, all of that to say that when I was, when I was writing it, um, I'm a very visual person. Like I said, I, I draw also. And so I would literally, and you know, I'm interested in your, in your process, Brittany, but my process was I would sit down. First of all, I'd have to find space, right? Because I have mm -hmm. kids, I have, you know, a very busy lifestyle. I would seclude myself, whether I was, I was going to a hotel room or, or going to the library and saying, okay, let me write this. And I would literally just close my eyes and just be like, what is the story? Like, tell me, what's the story that needs to get told? And I just start writing and I wouldn't use a computer because I'm very slow with uh, typing. I would just mm -hmm. use a pen and paper and I would just, you know, write it out. And I just literally just close my eyes like, okay, what, what do I see visually in my head and how do I describe it? And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get caught up so much in the words at first, right? I was just like, I want to just write this through. I want to get like the, the main yeah. meat down and then after I'll cut out the fat. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so the story really wanted to be about environmentalism. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. You know, it, it, it just was like um, the first scene is taken right out of my life as someone who's, who works with youth. I worked for Youth Build for like 13 years along with doing my hip hop. So I worked nonprofit and doing my music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were at the beach. There was a professor there that was doing this uh, scavenger hunt with the young, with the youth of New Bedford. There's this big, tall Puerto Rican kid with an Afro who is always cracking jokes the whole time, right? Wearing like knee, knee high um, water and, you know, salt water. <laughs> and, and we're just, you know, having a good time, but also like doing the scavenger hunt. And so the first, first scene is from there. And, and um, so that natural kind of like, oh, how cool would it be to you know, then get something, you know, really terrible happened. And now they're getting whisked away underwater to, to Atlantis, Atlantis, and, you know, have to go on this adventure. And so the whole time I was, you know, putting my, my, um, you know, what I, what I like to say, my seasoning on it, but yeah. I felt like the story was, you know, I, I was, I was channeling it, you know what I mean? And not nothing, you know, 
so special and that's special to me, but I believe we all, you know, we all have um, disability, but I was channeling the story even to the point at one point, if, for those who read the book, you know, I, I was like, they got to fight this guy, this Xander, who's this oil tycoon billionaire, turn evil world conqueror. And, and we know in real life is all these billionaires doing things that are impacting our society every day. Um, and so I was like, wow, what if this billionaire went the wrong route and chose to, you know, you know, really enact his plan? But how would these four kids be able to defeat him and his army? And, you know, all of a sudden it was like these animals popped into this cave and was like, you need to help us free and emancipate these <laughs> animals that are in the zoo. And I was like, there we go. We got we got the, we got the army. We got the zoo rebels. And so it was just a very organic way of, of approaching the story. And I and I told it in, in that way. I didn't really try to um, hit certain certain beats all the time, you know, like, oh, you got to introduce this friend, this this place. But I really wanted um, the story to tell tell itself. And um, the last thing I'll say that I think was interesting was I honestly, when I started writing the story and, and why it took me, I think, so long, like five years was because I kept going back to the music. I was like, I want to do my music. That's cool that the story is in my head. But the story just kept wanting to get told. And the story wanted to be about environmentalism, even though, you know, I was like, I just want to tell, you know, this superhero story with all youth in it, a story that, you know, youth of color and all youth can see themselves, you know, everyone's story needs to get told. And, you know, this, when I started writing this, this is pre uh, Black Black Panther, the Phenomenon movie came out. This mm -hmm. is pre Moana. Actually, when I when I saw Moana in the her relationship to the ocean, I was like, Oh my god, I gotta write this book because this was Agu, the water, you yeah. know, the live water. I was like, yeah. if I don't write it, somebody else is gonna write it, and I'm gonna yeah. be kicking myself <laughs> because I, you know, I had this idea and I'm not. And luckily, you know, the similarities ended there with this conscience in in the water and. You know, Planeta Blue has an aspect of that, and luckily, it's that's that's where the similarities end. And so I was like, man, I got I got to do this and committed to it, and and here we are. You know, five six years later with this uh, amazing amazing book. Yeah, well, but I feel like that's what happens with art. It just kind of organically starts to come out when you give yourself space to mm. feel it. And it sounds like that's what you did, you know, during that time. And yeah, I mean, things do take longer than we want them to, but that's also just part of the process. I, I mean, I experienced that with my own book because I finished it in its most complete version in 2013. And it's taken me 10 years later to this year to have gone through, you know, kind of making sure it was the best version of itself to then present it to the world. Um, but I think it's interesting to hear you say that you had the theme, the theming of environmental justice kind of, kind of bleeding. It sounds like it kind of bled over from your life into the book. And you maybe at some point didn't even realize that was happening. And I feel like that that happens a lot with, with our, in particular with, with books. Cause I, I experienced that myself with the, some of those, it's like the things that we're going through in our own lives, we kind of, without realizing, re realizing it, put it into the art that we're presenting to the world, but that's what makes it relatable to people. So it's a really cool mirroring of all of that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's your process, you know, yeah. what you're experiencing 
if there's mm-hmm. confusion or if there's overwhelming feelings about something, you know, um, giving that energy to something productive or creative, it, it, there's, you know, something really powerful about that. And I think most yeah. creative people feel that way, you know, where it's like, oh, I can make sense of things by, by painting or drawing or singing mm-hmm. or writing because I, all that intense energy that's building up in me, I'm able to like hyper focus it into this, to something. And, and there's like a big release from that. And I think it allows you to sort of either get closure or heal or, or, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, get to some sort of, um, centered space with, with, with things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very, very therapeutic. <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, as Mike said, very, very healing and a meditative, right? Um, to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, really uh, look at an issue from a, a place, even if it's fiction, um, to say, hey, like this could also be, um, you know, part of the solution, right? The inspiration. It's very difficult now, especially for the youth. And I still work with young people in the youth every day. Um, they it's it's very easy to look at the world you know especially if you're consuming media whether it's the news or social media to to think like like we're done for right it's just a matter mm-hmm. of time until we're <laughs> until we're extinct off this planet however you know we want to always be hopeful i think it's important uh to just not uh be just you know caught up in this 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 despair or this depression about what what could be and to actively work towards it. And why I choose to always work with youth, um, you know, not only is it to help them, but it helps me, you know, as we know, anyone who does any type of servant leadership, um, the youth always give me hope. And so the main character in this book, her name is Laris. She was based off of this, this young, uh, young woman, this, this girl at the time. Now she's a young woman. She's in college now. Um, who, you know, you know, was, was just, um, amazed. I was always amazed at her maturity, at her level of how she showed up still as a kid, right. Still joking and doing everything that she did. But, you know, we'd sometimes have her like represent, um, Vela, this after school program. And she'd go to like Amherst college and just present on the whim on, on the spot, like these really huge ideas and really condense them into a very, uh, you know, powerful, succinct, uh, a description of her experience. And I was just like, you know, could someone like Laris in my, in my story, you know, stand up in front of this council and give this speech, you know, to, in, in essence, to, to protect humanity and to save humanity, you know, is this realistic, you know, because you want the, the reader to be like, ah, this, oh, yeah. but I was like, yeah. she could, right. Jaylee could. Yeah. Jaylee could do this. If Jaylee could do this, then Laris could do it, right? And so um, that always helped me is, is, you know, to really ground myself in real people that I knew. Even, you know, Tyler is is based loosely off of a, a childhood friend of mine in high school um, who came from Indiana. And then, you know, Tumaz, a Cape Verdean kid, um, who I know a lot about Cape Verdean kids, but my kids are Cape Verdean too, you know, and, and Laris, you know, his mom. Uh, her, uh, uh, my daughter's mom is, is Puerto Rican. And so I wanted them once again to see themselves and to see like, hey, if these superheroes, I think that's what helps. That's why we love superheroes so much, right? Is like mm-hmm. they're able to tap into this force, this power and to, you know, against all odds, right? It's the classic David and Goliath kind of story. 
and and against all odds to to win, you know, catch a win, even if it costs a lot, even though they might be sacrificed. But at the end, we win. And that's what's important. I, I wanted to tell that story for the young people. Yeah. Well, the name of my podcast is Be Your Own Hero. And it's exactly what you're talking about. And that's why I started the podcast, because I want to, you know, share these stories around how we can individually, you know, overcome adversity. We're becoming the superheroes in our own lives. And, you know, you're the characters that you created, you're showcasing that anyone coming from anywhere can, you know, kind of rise up and become the best version of themselves and achieve, achieve these things, overcome things. And, you know, which in this case, standing up for things that, that are important to you, things that you believe in and making like a positive impact in the world around you. And yeah, I just, I love that. Um, yeah. Cause I think we, we all want to see, we all want to see that hope, you know, when we're that hope that we can become the best version of ourselves and truly make a positive impact in the world. So yeah, that's really cool. Totally. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, so I would love to hear kind of, kind of as like we wrap things up, I would love to hear what like your future goals and dreams are. I know you've kind of hinted at maybe another book. I know you said you could see it as a movie, which is super cool. You know, is there any kind of dreams or, or goals that you would love to share with us? Yeah. So we got, we got a lot of things in, in the works. I think it's, it's, it's cool to have uh, this brand also of Planeta Blue. I think it resonates with folks. Um, and so we, I've been working on this uh, audio book uh, for, you know, the past few months and I actually have Jay Lee coming in and voicing Laris uh, for oh, the audio book. Cool. And, you know, I, I've had already like an original score, um, uh, a theme song written, and I'm working with musicians that I know to build out the score of it and been really getting a lot of voice uh, acting from from youth that, you know, this is their first time doing it because that's really important for me is to give them this opportunity and they're excited to come in and do that. But also actors like seasoned actors who, um, you know, have a lot of experience and they're doing, you know, a lot of like the council positions and such. So that's um, due out uh, next year, uh, ideally early in, early next year, but we'll have to see how, you know, how everything um, shapes out. And then, um, and then the books, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on book two. Uh, I wish I was, I was working on it more, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, I it's so you. hard. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just put out the book, right. Like two weeks ago. And so it's like a lot of promotion, right. We're promoting, we're, we're on podcasts and, you know, doing book signings and, mm -hmm. you know, did the book launch. So all of that, you know, takes away from, uh, the writing process. However, I do have a few chapters, Mike, that I'm going to transcribe for you that I'm going to send you away so we can stop thinking about it. But <laughs> we had a a, a, a book, um, a writer's retreat uh, last year. Uh, now, maybe a year and a half ago anyway. Yeah, um, yeah it was still doing during COVID because I had COVID during that time. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was joining us via Zoom, Virtually, but you yeah. know we 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 mapped out you know so I you know I, I had a, a, some few um, trusted folks um, you know that have been uh, 
around and related to to the project to say like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is the arc of this series because it is going to be a series. I thought it was going to be a trilogy, but after we went through everything and we talked about, it, it looks like it's going to be four books. Which I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't think they'll they'll be as long as this. You know, as Mike um, said, I, this this book really. Um, if I don't you know, think Mike I, believes you. <laughs> I roll. My eyes just rolled. Yeah, ready, buddy. Um, but it was it was like two books, right? It could have been easily yeah. two books, and I think the other books will be a little a little shorter. But there's this huge arc, and so we're gonna you know p- push them out there. Um, I I love to hear the excitement from the young people. They're like, when's the second book coming out? When's the second book coming out? Um, when they saw this dog horse. Uh, version they were like is this the second book i'm like uh, it kind of is but not really you know but <laughs> the reality is we're working we're working on on those those books right now um the second one which you know i i hope i hope it to be you know i think a lot in, in movies the uh the empire strikes back kind of mm-hmm. uh 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 book <laughs> so you know get ready for some you know really hard times and then um and then yeah the the movie and the series that's always been the big dream. Um, we've had some very great conversations with some studios, some streaming, um, uh, a, a, one streaming, I don't guess it that much up, but a stream, <laughs> a major streaming um, uh, platform that, you know, gives us, gives us that hope that, that not only hope, but like, Hey, we're, we're, um, we're trending and tracking in, in the direction that we wanted to go. And so, we're excited about this. Um, it's cool when people just, you know, see the book, grab the book, they look at it and they're like, this, I could see this as a, as a movie. I'm like, yes, that's what we want to see. Because as we continue to pitch, we want, you know, whoever um, in those studios to get that same idea when they see the book. And I think we got something here. So that's part of it. Mike, am I missing anything? Anything else that we're... Well, I mean, on yeah, for me, like, a dream i would like to continue working on the books you know like and keep going with it it's it's a challenge because it's such a time consuming like so for me i was doing the the art you know the drawing the coloring the lettering the layout and everything so it's it's a super time consuming mm-hmm. uh, endeavor so you know i would love it if i could do that and like financially be able to to you know cuz I you know what's interesting about comics is that even like some of the best comic artists don't make a big living off of it. It's not mm-hmm. a very like lucrative field to be in. Mm-hmm. And I follow a lot of master artists. Like I, I I see their work and I'm blown away. And they're like, yeah, no, you know, my partner makes the money, and I, you know, and they're these are established artists, and so. You know the the trick is sort of getting into the other fields where it's movies and entertainment and mm-hmm. stuff where you have a property and IP. But my dream would be to actually continue to create art and comics and books and and financially support myself just with that. Yeah, that's cool. Because I mean, my day job is in the arts, but you know I have other books that I want to do, and I have a, a tabletop game I designed, like all of these things that it would be great to be able to just focus on those things. Like I like mm-hmm. to just be able to focus on Planeta Blue too. And and not yeah. be not have to take on other work at the same time. So, you know, that's like a in, you know, like in the back of my mind that sort of dream of like, you know, who's actually just doing this and nothing else. <laughs> and and it's working because it's I'm telling you it's very rare to see that there's an illusion that if you're successful, 
you're also financially successful, <laughs> which most people know is not the case. You know, yep. so mm-hmm. so that's a little that's a more like uh, pragmatic uh, dream that I have. <laughs> <out there. laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. I mean, I talk, yeah. you know, being in this world now, talking to a lot of different, you know, people, creatives, and that's the dream for everyone just to be able to focus on your on your craft and. I think it's, you know, it's a very noble thing to to dream about and take, take steps towards to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, I have the same thoughts. It's kind of like, I think, I think about it from that standpoint of like multifaceted, like with podcasting, with, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe other appearances or like you're talking about with books, uh, books turning into movies. I mean, all that stuff is so cool. So it's kind of like having that whole personal branding around whatever that art is that you're creating like yeah mm-hmm. that would be super cool so yeah, yeah. and i and i and i'll add you know it, it's been really uh it, not only exciting but fulfilling f- for me to be able to you know we've been uh, invited to schools to do presentations or assemblies yeah. and you know i you know we've talked about this so like mike if we could just get like one of these you know even a month, but one of these a week, ideally would be great, you know, um, to show up mm-hmm. the excitement that these young people have. I always bring in the hip hop aspect of it. Um, I feel like it's a really untapped uh, lane. So um, that I think is um, just, just a stream of revenue. That's, that's real, you know, um, um, mm-hmm. that I've, I've seen It's just like anything else is, is the volume, you know, how do you. Yeah. Really Building skip? blocks. Yeah, for sure. Well, so. To close, Tim, I would love to ask you what would what what do you hope that you know you're so passionate about youth, so what would you hope that young people take away from 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 the book and from kind of what your your platform is? Yeah, I, I just want them to you know really be themselves. I know it's 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 very cliche now, but you know I'll keep saying it. You know, authenticity really matters. Um, being compassionate and and vocal about what you believe in, even if you don't say it the right way, it's important to stand for what you what you believe in, um, especially your dreams. You know, um, I think there's um, some people right now in the world who have turned this world into a nightmare, um, and the more that youth can really tap into their dreams with the idea of Hey, I can I can help others with this dream. This dream connects with other people in a positive way. Then I I know that this world can transform. There's no reason for us to have a world where people are starving, people are you know under under uh, the rest, depressed, all these all these things. Um, so I want the young people to take this book, be inspired by it, and and really be the, be that hero. Uh, they are they are truly the leaders that you know that they're waiting for. They're the ones. You know, don't, don't, you know, you can, you can bring other people together and, mm-hmm. and have a team, but know that, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be up to you to make this, make this change. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just add to that too. Yeah. You know, kind of like talking about the environmental justice part of the book, this sort of idea that the, the older generations have left the youth, all of this, all these problems to, to solve, you know, and this mm-hmm. sort of like, especially with the environment, like why we're, you guys dealing with this stuff, you know, there's, there's sort of that general feeling, I think, with young people where, you know, now we have to clean up after you guys. And I think with this book, 
is sort of reinforces that the youth, you know, everyone has value and that the youth have also have influence on things that be positive things in the world. And it does it in this sort of fantastic way, but, you know, it, it, it reinforces everyone belongs and everyone can do something. Mm. And I think that that kind of gets, you know, across when you read it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, I love that. It's wonderful. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this has been, I would say an inspiring conversation. So I hope everyone feels that way and will also inspire you to pick up the book. I will hold it up one more time so you can't forget. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So Mike and Tim, what's the best place for everyone to connect with you guys online and learn more about the book? Yeah. So right now the book, the book's available everywhere. um, But planetablue.com is a way that you can always connect with us. Um, We're also on social media. Um, On social media, it's always Planeta Blue Book. Mm-hmm. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, um, not really much on, on X or Twitter, but yeah, especially Instagram. I think Instagram gets updated the most in the website. Um, but yeah, pick it up. It's, it's even available to order on Target, Walmart, you know, Barnes and Noble, like <laughs> everywhere, really. Anywhere uh, so and everywhere. Least, yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Get it. Pick it up. Yay. Awesome. Well, Thank you again for joining me. This was an awesome conversation. I appreciate both of your efforts with trying to, you know, share more about that, this really important topic with the world and inspire people to, you know, make change. And, you know, it's, we can all make a change in our own little community. And I think that's, it's important for everyone to realize that. Um, Doesn't have to be some crazy huge thing, but taking Mm -hmm. just that first step is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Mike and Tim, thank you so much again. Thanks everybody for taking the time to watch and listen. Don't forget to pick up the book and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I would love to connect with you further. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Brittany, we're new author. I'll catch you next time.